Welcome to this very special episode of the Mindset for Runners podcast, an interview with current Costa Kosciuszko 240km champion and Australian 24-hour ultramarathon representative, Joe Ward. Well, hey everyone, it's Rob here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am absolutely honoured and thrilled to have Joe Ward join me for an interview today. Thanks, Joe. Would you like to say good day before I read your amazing bio? G'day everyone, happy to be here Rob and uh, very excited to share some thoughts and, and, and insights. Brilliant mate, well we're really lucky to have you on. I'm just going to read through Joey's bio he sent me. Um, Joe, is it Joey or Joe? How do you want me to refer to you today? Uh, you can call me whatever you like Rob. <laughs> no worries, alright let's get into it. So this bio, this, this is a clipped bio of, of the enormous uh, resume that Joey's got. So let me get through it. Joe's the head coach of Manny Beach Running Club. He's a champion ultra runner and he's got hundreds of races under his belt, which you learn about today. He's obsessed with everything running related from trail to road and to track. It's easy and accurate to say his running is his, running is his whole life. He ran his first marathon back in 2006. He has a marathon PB of a smoking 2.58 in Melbourne in 2011. He also has the following notable running performances, and I note how many are actually missing from this bio, which we'll get to in this interview. So 2006 and to, to 2008, he had three uh, times the East Kent uh, Coastal Marathon. That's in the UK finisher. 2007, 2008, Jerry finished London Marathon twice. Uh, in Australia, in 2009, he uh, was a first place winner in his age group for the Maclay River Marathon. 2010, he did the Port Macquarie Ironman. Uh, 2011, and quite a respectable time in that Ironman too, Joe. Have a look at your time there. 2011 was when he ran his marathon PB 258 in Melbourne, and not an easy course to do a marathon PB on. Now, this is where it gets into the bigger stuff. So 2013, 2014, 2015, and last year in 2021, Joey was a four-time uh, Costa Kosciuszko 240-kilometer ultra marathon finisher. And we'll get to that last time which he won the race and set a new record for the inclement weather course. 2014, back to then, uh, Joe ran uh, City in Newcastle, uh, the Great North Walk 250 in 57 hours, 15 minutes. What you didn't note on there is he also ran it in the other direction from Newcastle to Sydney, and we'll get into that one as well. 2016, Joe ran from Brisbane to Sydney, 1,000 kilometres. He's the current and still is the record holder for the fastest known time from Brisbane to Sydney in a time of 11 days and seven hours. What's interesting about that is that he did it in silence, and we're going to talk more about that as we go through the podcast as well. Joey did not speak a word during those 11 days and seven hours. Unbelievable. 2018, uh, he's listed the Great North Walk 100 miles as a first-place finish, 23 hours and six minutes. What he doesn't actually list is that he's finished the Great North Walk on six occasions, and we'll get into that later as well. 2020, he was first place, the winner of the Australian 24-hour international track race in Canberra with a distance of 239.5 kilometres. That's at the AIS 400-metre uh, running track. Last year, in 2021, Jerry won the Sri Chimnoy 12-hour uh, also in Canberra, first place, 125.7 kilometres. He won the Southern Sydney Ultra 24-hour, again, first place, 242.6 kilometres. For those of you who know, that is an A-grade qualifier for the Australian 24-hour team, which recently, I believe, Joey was uh, notified that he was selected in that Australian 24-hour representative team, which is an absolute honour. And last year, 2021, uh, Joey won the Costa Kosciuszko Ultramarathon, first place, 25 hours in 14 
minutes, a new race record for the inclement weather course, which finishes at Charlotte Pass. Um, extraordinary result there in, in some of the worst conditions um, you could actually imagine for that race. This year, recently, uh, Joe, run the, Joe won the Sri Chimnoi 12 hour again in Canberra in first place, 126 kilometers. That's a shortened bio, believe it or not. Joey, welcome. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate it. It's so good to be here. It's great to finally sit down for a chat. Long time coming. Uh, so I want to start. I want to start by tapping into your mindset and around running first and life second. But I want to take you specifically to that race we mentioned in the bio, that Australian 24-hour track invitational in Canberra. Mm. in 2020 it was a, it, for me i was following you through the whole race and there was a period of time where you really seemed to hit your straps and you you weren't you were maybe back in the field and you started to move through the field i remember it was during the night i was up checking your results and maybe 17 18 19 hour mark you still had six hours to go and mm. from there you just seemed to move through the field you, you were you were maybe eight nine maybe even further kilometers behind and you came mm. through to win that race. Joey, can you take us back to that time and however you want, can you tell us as much or as little about that race, but I want to hear about the mindset that got you through that. Yeah. So it rained for 24 hours during the 2020 invitational. And um, it was interesting to see, you know, the European athletes performing quite well in the rain and uh, uh, some of the athletes that were less familiar with inclement weather to start backing off. And it's funny, whenever it rains, I have a great race. I have a great day. And so I've got this association with the rain that I'm back home. I'm in the UK. And, you know, even though Australia is my new home, I was raised in the rain. You know, I had decades of, you know, playing rugby and doing athletics day in the rain. So for me, that's a really happy place. That's a really comforting place and maybe there's a sort of physical aspect where the rain's going on your muscles it's kind of cooling down your quads and you know putting you in a in a place where you know you're not too hot and you've you've almost got that effect of someone running beside you spraying water in your face it keeps you cool and keeps you calm um and then the same with the night i associate running for the night with the gnw and you know with lots of 100 mile races and and 24 hour races um i love running for the night it's always been an adventure for me it's always been like you know going back to the club when you're a kid you know in your 20s and you it's, it's party time you know so i'll put some music on and have some caffeine and yeah it, it, whenever it gets to the night section i see people change their body language they start to fade and their shoulders kind of hunch over and you know their whole disposition changes but for me I'm flying. So it's a double whammy. I've got the effects of everyone else fading around me and I'm getting stronger. And it was, you know, rain at night and I was feeling good. And there's so many aspects to the race that were positive, you know, the rain and, and the facts I love the night, but also I had Luca Torini there. And at some point, I think it might have been around that window that you were saying 16 to 18 hours, I was running past him and kind of unlooping myself and starting to go from fourth to third to second and catching up with Eurasia. And um, you, you get to hang out with your fellow runners quite a lot on athletics track. There's nowhere else to hide. So, you know, you get a lot of chats and you get kind of brief conversation 
And then you run around the other side and you've got another 400 meters to complete that thought. And um, as I ran past Luca, he started patting me on the bum every time I overtook him. <laughs> and if anyone knows Luca, he's a happy chappy. He's, he's a cheeky, happy chappy. And uh, yeah, and a good friend and, and an incredible runner, a previous world record holder for the 24 hours on the treadmill um, and runs Outrun Cancer, which is an amazing charity that um, is uh, researching a cure for, for, for cancer and looking for prevention of cancer as opposed to uh, preventing cancer, you know, stopping cancer once the onset starts. And uh, he pinched me on the bum and he said, Joe, you can win this. And that was just the impetus I needed from a good friend that knew me well, that had crewed for me on the Brisbane to Sydney in 2016, that had uh, chatted rubbish i don't know if i can swear on your podcast rob but chatted <laughs> chatted shiz let's say several times at two in the morning three in the morning on different parts of new south wales and up to um you know up to queensland and um yeah it was the culmination of lots of factors but i just i was in that beautiful sweet spot that elusive sweet spot that ultra runners might only find in every, you know, every two or three years, you get that dose of awesomeness, that little glimpse of greatness that we've all got. And, uh, and then you train for the next two or three years to find it again, right, Rob? Um, so it, it was stars aligned, lots of different factors, and another one of those magic ultra moments that you just go, this, I'm so blessed. This is so amazing. I, I'm so grateful for this moment. It's incredible to hear you talk about it and just to just to reflect back what you just said about the conditions were terrible the night times normally when people suffer um mm. you you turn those and the meaning that you give those is i'm at home i'm from the uk this is my bread and butter whereas you know mm. other people including myself oh, i don't like the rain i don't like the cold but so you've done that but when luca when you passed him and he said to you mate you can win it obviously it wasn't just coming from any shallow words. They, they were someone who knew you, who's a very uh, unbelievable runner himself. What happened mm. to your mindset when he said that? Where did you go that allowed you to access something to get to, to lift it up a notch and finish the way you did? Yeah, look, I think um, you're exactly, you're absolutely right. When someone says something like different people, different words have different weight when it's, a close friend with someone that truly knows you and they believe in you and they can see that you're, you're in that place, you know, because Luke has been there and he's done it. And because your fellow athletes get it, you know, the invitation was just the best athletes in Australia. So there was nine of us, I think. And um, it was funny rocking up to the track because on one side I had Eurasia silver medalist at Commonwealth games. And the other side I had Luca Torini, you know, world record holder, and my tent was in the middle and I just felt so, you know, way out of my depth. Um, but yeah, when, when someone with, with ex experience and knowledge and mastery of the sport says a compliment like that, it really spurs you on. Um, so yeah, there's different weight to, to the words that are said and um, obviously highly respected people when they pay you a compliment, it goes a really long way. Are you aware of um, when you're in a race, it could be a 24 hour, I mean, you've done so many different on the track, the trail, the road, in a long race, where do you put your focus as you're running? 
If we've only, mm-hmm. you know, are you aware where your mind goes or do you have different strategies or could you share that with some of the, some of your strategies with our listeners? Yeah, look, I think one of the things is, you know, for me, it's about um, being deeply connected to the race. Um, so, you know, Coach Martin would call it a crying heart. You know, so it's not just about this is a training run or this is a this is a race and I want to win. You know, it's a deep connection to the track that, you know, a, a really clear understanding of the why that I'm there. Um, and that really helps me get the, the most out of myself. So, you know, for me, it's about, um, you know, put myself in a place where I'm deeply connected to what I'm doing and I have a love for it. You know, it, I think it's the same as anything in life. If you love it, it's done. You know, it, it, it's not something you turn on and off. It's not if I think about because I've got two kids, I've, I've got uh, two girls, five and two. You know, I'm not a dad one day and the next day I turn it off. It's it's all day, every day, waking and sleeping hours. And I remember when they were kids and they were crying through the night and you get up at three in the morning because you love them. So I think you do you go the extra mile for the things you love. So whichever race you enter, you have to love it. You have to, you know, before the C2K, I was watching uh, videos of a certain Rob Mason run sub 30 at the coast of Kosciuszko. You know, I was deeply connected to that event and the people that enter it. And it meant so much to me. And you know, I did my research. I, you know, I like to think of it as, um, you know, there's a word that that is more than ready that hasn't been put in the dictionary yet. So, you know, I'm I'm more than ready when I go into these events, and I, I'm deeply connected. My why is very well established. It's very well defined. You know, I'll create an information pack that details this is what I'm eating. This is how I'm running. This is my pace. This is my crew. This is the maps. This is who I am, this is why I'm doing this. And um, yeah, I think when you tie yourself to the mast, you know, that's when you're going to be successful. Um, One of the things I developed in 2019 was, you know, I had a DNF at at the GNW in 2019. I found myself on the start line and all I wanted to hear, Rob, was we'd like to welcome our previous winners of the GNW. And that I, I realized 30 Ks into the GW, that was the only reason I went. I just went there to hear and our previous winners, Joe Ward, you know, from 2018. And I had to kind of refire my mojo and, and sort of reset as to why I was ultra running. And I signed up for the, the uh, human hovel 100 miler sort of two or three months later. Um, and the whole goal was to reset my mojo and get me back firing. And one of the mantras I had going into that was burn the boats, you know, um, and it's a, a principle that generals use when they invade an island. You put your troops on the beach, you burn the boats and you say, right, if you want to survive, you take over this island where there's no going back. And I think that's been a really successful principle for me of, of burning the boats, um, tying myself to the mast and making it making it everything, making it, you know, have huge significant meaning. Um, so I guess that's how I choose my events and how I, how I look at each, each event I go into. It's, it's carefully thought out and it's something that really resonates with me. 
Yeah, this is fascinating for me to hear you lay this out. I've got a few questions to follow up on that. When you, you gave a really good contrast of where you've done it, like you burn the boats, tie yourself to the mask, it's, you're 100% in, um, and you gave that at Coast of Cozzy, and But when you contrast that to that GNW 2019, the year after you'd won it, now, this mm. would have, you know, it took you six years, Joey. I watched you build up from the back of the packer at GNW. And I want to go into this later on in the call. Yeah. And then you tested that 24-hour, trying to break that 24-hour mark. Just for the listeners' background, the GNW is a 100-mile race. It used to be a point-to-point race. It was mm. the toughest. It was held in November, moved back to September. It was in the heat. And Joe has run this six times completed and dnf in 2019 as he said but on his sixth attempt in 2018 he won that race in a time of 23 hours and six minutes now that you were all in then and then you said the next year you didn't um burn the boat you didn't tie yourself to the mask you went back for a different reason can you tell us how you when you did a human hobble another 100 mile race in october i was only a month or six weeks later after the dnf how did you reconnect with that race and, and build that connection back um well coach martin would say perfect happiness is excitement minus expectation so that excitement minus expectation i find really powerful um i went to the human hobble 100 miler in 2019 not to necessarily compete i knew i could do well um and grant smashed it and won the race and i came second and i was very happy with second but i was a good I think I was an hour and a half or even two hours behind Grant. He, he totally dominated. But at one in the morning, I'm running with my pacer and we had some wild brumbies jump out on the trail. And they didn't jump out 200 meters away. They jumped out five meters away, 10 meters away and looked a square in the eye. Uh, and these pair of brumbies were absolutely beautiful, as you can imagine. It's the first time I've seen brumbies on the trail, and it was a gift. It was an absolute gift from the running gods, um, and that was my goal. I didn't realise at the time necessarily how I was going to refire my mojo, but goodness me, like it was like a blessing from the brumbies. It was like a, a blessing from the running gods to put me back in that place of, oh, this is why I do it. That's why I do it. Not for the ego, not for, you know, the big I am, you know, get the, get the, you know, the, the podium or whatever. Um, I actually realized that to, to win, you have to not want to win, which is probably a bit contradictory, but um, yeah, you, you have to love it. You have to be seeing the beauty of, of what you're doing and you have to be in it for more than your ego, your ego, only works for 5Ks. It doesn't work for 100 miles or 24 hours. It, it, it'll work for a little while. It might get you through, you know, half an hour, but um, it's not gonna, it's not gonna take you to the places you want to go. This is this is fascinating. When, when I hear, in, when I hear you say, I'm, I'm all in. I'm completely invested. It's all I'm about. I'm, I'm going this race. I'm connected to it. I'm building a race plan. I'm telling everyone about it. How do you? have that level of connection to the race but remove the pressure to perform how do you how do you enter that next race knowing now what you're capable of where you mm. you could get caught up in i could win this you know i could set a record here i could make the aussie mm. team 
how do you balance those two factors of connecting to the race and, and, and not burden the pressure until you drive yourself crazy? Yeah, look, I think um, apart from my awesome running coach, I have a mindset coach to help me structure my goals and sort of get my mindset right. Um, so my mindset coach is Claudine Chi, and she's a 14-time national karate champion and three-time world champion. Um, the best way to describe Claudine is if you know Brenna Brown, who's an emotional intelligence and uh, amazing coach, American, uh, American or Canadian, I don't know. Um, so I would describe Claudine as like a kick-ass ninja warrior version of, of Brenna Brown uh, with a karate black belt. Um, so she's super tough. She's an athlete, uh, but supremely confident with a huge kind heart as well. So she's got that emotional intelligence aspect. Uh, and one of the things that Claudine has taught me is, um, you know, to take away those aspects of myself that can affect performance. Um, and she's given me this powerful mantra, which is um, I'm completely independent of the good and bad opinions of others. I'm above no one, I'm beneath no one, I'm fearless in the face of any and all challenges. And she's got me saying that in the mirror, into my eyes, deep into my eyes, every day. Um, and she's so masterful in a Jedi mind trick kind of way for pulling out the negative framing that we all have, because we frame things in a negative way that leads to anxiety, that leads to lack of performance. Um, and yeah, she, I, I'm her Padawan. I, I, <laughs> I just, I go to her and, you know, what she said to me is, you know, you're, you're very good at this because you're honest and open about your own internal emotions. And I think that's the thing that's helped me is, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm brave, but stupid is how I describe myself. I'm very good. I'm courageous when it comes to being open about my emotions and how I feel. And that's helped me to honestly, genuinely frame things in a way that's powerful. So, and we can talk about this with, with my last run, you know, the Shri Chin, my 12 hours, about a week before that race, Rob, I was like, I don't care about this race. It's not important to me. I don't want to do a 12 hours. I'm not feeling like I'm, I'm tied to this race. I certainly wasn't tied to the mast. And I, you know, I called her and I opened up about this and she said, well, let's reframe it. What do you love? And I said, well, I love training runs. I love running in the sunshine or the rain and, you know, any weather. And I, I love getting fit and I love being out there on the track and it's my favorite track. And I'm in Canberra and I've won on that track before. And, you know, I, I know I can perform well. She's like, well, you love training runs. You love going for a run. So this is a training run. There's no pressure right? You've won it before. You haven't got to prove anything, right? This isn't the biggest event of the year. You go there, you do a training run, right? You love training runs and you're going to fly like a bird. What I want you to do is go there, do your training run, just go fly, right? Your coach is Martin Fryer, the flyer, right? You're going to go there, you're going to fly like a bird. And uh, what I want you to do for the next week, so this is my taper leading up to the Sri Chimnoy, I want to visualize flying and birds, so she said every 10 seconds, every hour, do 10 seconds, just a very brief bit, close your eyes, visualize birds, visualize yourself flying around the track. And as we get close to race day, I want you to really make that a powerful visualization. And then when I got to the track, Rob, I was seeing birds everywhere. 
There were magpies swooping me. Uh, there was a group of runners called the Speedy Geese that had Speedy Geese written on the back of the church. Running past and going, Speedy Geese, go Speedy Geese. And there was a, a, a magpie that was looking at me for a good two or three hours of the race. He was just sitting there looking at me. And every time I ran past him, he would like check me out to see how I was going. I was visualizing feathers on my arms and I, I just, I, I was flying. I was flying and I, I'd visualized flying on every part of that track on the straight, the curve, the far side of the track, you know, the, the curve on the other side, you know, I'd, I'd visualized myself as a bird flying and Martin caught my eye a couple of times. He was timing the event. So coach Martin was there to sort of offer his energy. And I could see a couple of times he was looking at me whilst I was closing my eyes and I had my arms out and I was flying and he could see that I was in that place. I was in that lovely kind of theta wave, um, you know, dreamlike state. Um, so yeah, we turned it, we turned it from a chore into something that was, it was beautiful. I, I loved every minute of it. I was, and I, I won by 20 Ks. It's, it's an amazing story for me. I, I want to go into this visualization. Um, when we when we hear sports psychologists talk about visualization, it's normally around watching yourself crossing the finishing line with your arms up and your goal time on the board next to you, or or observing yourself going through the race step by step, eating well, nutrition plan going well, pacing everything. But you've mm. just talked about something completely different, not related to an outcome, not related to a performance just about mm. getting back to what you've said is how you connect to the race, Joe, is that love of running and the love of the event. And I wonder, is it always like that with your visualization or do you sometimes use a different form or, or can you talk to us from that visualization perspective? Yeah, look, I'll, um, I'll often go into different visualizations and different mantras. Like one of my favorite mantras that I use, I've developed over the years is, Focus, compose, relax, patient, clarity. And I'll repeat that in my head. Focus, compose, relax, patient, clarity. And it's kind of, I've taken a little bit from each of my coaches and kind of put it together and sort of mashed it into my own thing. You know, Martin often says focus and composed and then relaxed and patient is mine. And then my mindset coach talks about clarity, clarity of thought. So yeah, I, I, on my training runs and my races, focus, compose, relax, patient, clarity. Is a, is a place I go to. But then I'll often just lose it, Rob, and just be like, oh, God, this is tough. <laughs> this sucks. And I'll shout at, you know, someone to give me some inspiration or some wise words, you know. So I'll say to my support crew, Chris Jackson, say something wise, say something awesome. Give me, give me some wisdom. And, um, you know, uh, Martin's often at the track as well, and I'll ask him for some wisdom. Uh, and the, the last race, I said, Martin, I need some wisdom. And he was counting. He said, he's going 365, 221, 365, 221. And I could see he was distracted. He went, just give me a minute, 365, 221. And he was doing the timing for the event. So he was obviously writing something down that was, I can't remember what 365, 221 was, but it was something important. And he said, I'll come back to you. And then, but two or three loops later, he handed me a piece of paper and it was a post-it note. And I opened the piece of paper and it said, live your life as if the odds were rigged in your favor, Rumi, right? And it's funny, like, I think as ultra runners, when we get to that tired place, we're so suggestible 
right? We're, we're primed. We're ready. Just give me some good stuff. Give me something that's going to, to lift me. And um, yeah, there's, there's lots of little tricks like that. Another trick I've done in the GNW is as an ex-smoker, I often have an invisible cigarette. So <laughs> I'll stop at a beautiful view, say, you know, um, uh, I don't know, Cowan or somewhere or the Jerusalem Bay or wherever it is. You stop, you admire the view and I'll, I'll light up an invisible cigarette and just, <laughs> just have a moment, just enjoying that invisible cigarette. And it's the suggestion. Like, I, I'm sure I'm getting some kind of nicotine buzz off this invisible cigarette between my fingers. It's incredible how you can, you know, with the right primer, you can put yourself in that happy place again. You can, you can take yourself there. Joe, when, when you're accessing, I want to put a pause on that, your pack-a-day smoker um, past and drinking and partying, mm. come back to that. But I like a half. Pack and a half, pack and a half, yeah, unbelievable yeah. to what you do now. I want to go back to, it's a great example of where you're running around the track, you realise you're in a bad space and, mm. and you ask for someone to help you get out of it. I think as runners, whether you're running 5K or 250K or any distance, we are susceptible to a downward spiral, whether that's thoughts mm. or feelings or emotions. And you just mentioned then that you were starting that downward spiral. How do you keep the awareness that it's starting before it kind of overcomes you and drags you down? And then how do you know what to ask for? Is that something you've developed or is it? Because you've just, you've just really articulated how you could have gone downhill big time, but you recognised that you were aware of it, you witnessed it and you got out of it by asking for someone to help you. Well, I think it might be the nature of the track, Rob, and it's part of the reason that I, I love running on an athletics track it's you know it's been described as pure running because you're not exploring a physical landscape you're exploring a, a an inner landscape um and you know it's no coincidence that i run sri chimoy events because sri chimoy is one of my heroes you know and sri chimoy has some great quotes about inner and outer running um my favorite quote by him is the inner running and the outer running complement each other for outer running, we need discipline. Without a life of discipline, we cannot succeed in any walk of life. So when we do outer running, it reminds us of the inner running. And I think there's this wonderful kind of um, connection between the inner running and the outer running. For me, like, that's a great thing about a GPS watch. You look at your watch, you can see your heart rate going up. You know there's, the inner running is not working properly. You can see that the heat is affecting you or you, know, you need some carbs or you're dehydrated. We've got this immediate feedback now on our watch that shows us our pace and our heart rate and our stress level. Even you can get your kind of your, your heart rate variability that gives you an indication of your stress. So, yeah, I, I, I really do think the the pure running aspect of running long distances, it, it teaches you things about yourself and it makes you is radical honesty isn't it? It's, it's a radical acceptance of yourself, which is really hard. It's really hard to, to go for an ultra run, to run a hundred miles, to get a good look in the mirror at yourself and like it, you know, and, and still be proud of yourself and, and still see the good in yourself. So I think as ultra runners, we spend a lot of hours with ourselves, you know, that's the hardest aspect of running for 24 hours 
is you've got to spend 24 hours with you. And, and unless you like yourself, <laughs> we've all been there when you're, you're more upset with how you're feeling and, and the way your inner dialogue is going than the actual kilometers or the hills. So I've had to learn to, to do the self-love stuff. Um, and I've had some great teachers on that stuff as well. My, my girlfriend, um, it's a bit, it's not very uh, Essex or, or, or sort of, um, maybe it's modern man, right? But she's got me doing like a skincare routine, right? Yes. And she explained to me, it's not about the skin. It's not about looking young. It's not about the superficial. It's about looking in the mirror and having a daily routine of five minutes in the morning before you leave the house of loving yourself, <laughs> like taking care of yourself and, and doing something for you. And, and that's the thing that I see the value in is, is doing stuff for you. Cause we do stuff for our family. We do stuff for our colleagues and our, and our boss and we all pay taxes and we all have that, that discipline to do those things. But this, you know, there's a great podcast on Joe Rogan with, with Nim, the guy that's climbed 14 peaks above 8,000 meters. And he talks about the difference between discipline and self-discipline. Like self-discipline is the stuff you don't have to do. But, but, and no one's going to care if you don't do it. But you do it anyway. And um, I do a lot of things like that. I like before race day, I'll often clean the fridge before I go to the start line. I don't need to do that, but there's that, that feeling of I'm going extra compared to my opponents. They might have done all the training. They might have done the mindset. They might have done the meditation. They might have got great nutrition, but did they clean the fridge? I bet they haven't cleaned the fridge. I clean the fridge before every race, and it just makes me feel internally. It's not about the fridge or the cleanliness of the fridge, but internally, you know, it's that feeling of the same as when you make the bed. It's that feeling of readiness. It's that feeling of preparedness. It's that feeling of, you know, doing the things that, that are extra above and beyond to prepare you for the day. This can, can you equate, I'm not sure how we're going to go about this question, but it's incredible that you've talked about this self-love and thank you for being so vulnerable and, and, and sharing this because there's a lot of people out there who train hard and flog themselves and do more and more and more and more of the physical stuff. Yet mm. we haven't mentioned your training, your physical training. We haven't mentioned how many times you're out the door, which is still obviously a big component of it. But if you could put a um, kind of, I don't even know, a percentage or some kind of measurement on that self-love, Joe, that, that, that ability to look at yourself in the mirror and do that work in the morning or the mantra that your mindset coach gave you, how mm. much of your incredible exponential growth in when i'm talking about that is in your running your business you as a person how much you've mm. grown can we equate to that kind of work instead of the number of k's you're running a week or what vitamins you're taking on the recovery phase yeah look you know i think having coaches makes a massive difference having ninjas having experts having absolute masters can really help you you fast track and um for me i guess you know i would i would talk about it like 2xu the clothing brand 
right? The whole principle behind 2XU is you put on these 2XU compression pants and you're twice yourself. Having a coach is like 4XU, 5XU, you know, 10XU, you know. I've had conversations with my, and I've got coaches for everything. I've got a nutritionist. I've got a running coach. Obviously, I've got Martin. I've got Claudine, who's a mindset coach. I've got a business coach. You know, I, I've got, I, I use Duolingo every day. I've got my meditation app. I've got yoga coaches. You know, as a coach, I value other coaches. I've got, I think I've got like seven yoga coaches. I go at different times and you get a different little angle and a perspective. And each of them give you, a little nugget to take home with you. So recently one of my yoga coaches says to open up your hips in the morning, he brushes his teeth in a squat position, right? So just that dead bit of time in the morning to open up your hips before you go for a run, just do an Indian squat and brush your teeth, right? And I've shown this to my runners a couple of times. It doesn't look very good when you're showing them what, what you're doing and there's no video, but you can get the idea. Um, so I would advise you not to, to show it. Um, yeah. Without having a toothbrush in your hand, but um, yeah, look, you, little things like that can really help you fast track. So my, my business coach said, and it was, it was the most revealing sentence. She said, I'm going to tell you something now. that's going to save you four years. And it did. And it was awesome. And it, and it fast tracked a lot of stuff. Um, that's what coaches do. I'm going to tell you something now. It's going to save you four years. And that's, you know, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, it, we, we should all fast track. We should all, you know, your three year goals should be 12 month goals. They, they really should. Um, I think when we start doing three-year goals, four-year goals, five-year goals, what we're really doing is we're going, ah, not this year. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We're all busy. We've all got responsibilities. And there are years where you're busy, and that's, that's fair enough. But um, bring it all forward. Do it now, you know. Um, you're a long time dead. Ah, Jerry. So throughout the call, this theme of coaching comes up. Now, mm. you just said you've had – you know, seven different yoga coaches. You've got business, mindset, running, um, nutrition coaches. Obviously, it's a huge value of yours. Now, you're a coach yourself. You founded Manly Beach Running Club. You you are a full-time coach. You know, um, I just want to, this is a theme that not only do you learn from people, but you have this innate sense that you want to make people better. Mm. I want to I highlight this by an example you held the fastest known time of the Great North Walk, 250-kilometre track from, you now correct me, was it the north-south or the south-north, your, your FKT in 2015? Um, I, I held both at one point, right. uh, and, and they're both gone now, but um, south to north was the kind of, was a big one. Yes, south to north. So to highlight how much of a coach you are, when Grant Brisbane, who is a beast of a runner, and, and he was the Grant that you alluded to that beat you at Human Hobble in 2019, when Grant mm -hmm. suggested that he was going to have a crack at beating your fastest known time, you didn't just send him a text message saying, oh, good luck, mate. You went out there and you paced him and you crewed him and you supported him to beat your record. That speaks mm -hmm. volumes for the type of person that you are. And my question around that is, how much does that openness and 
you're not holding on. You're not trying to protect. You weren't trying to hold that fastest man time. Instead, you mm. were out encouraging someone else to do better than you. How much mm. does that kind of give and receive that you get through mentors and coaching and wisdom play a part as you in your life? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, Grant's the real deal and he's, he's a phenomenal athlete and, um, and he's got a big heart and he's a, he's a GN, he's part of the GNW tribe. You know, it's something we've spoken about. Um, I, I really think it's part of the sport. I think, you know, we're out there to give our best and, you know, uh, wherever the, the cards fall, you know, that, that's, that's how it goes, you know, and, and I wanted to see that, that FKT go sub 48 hours. Like it was there. It was exciting to me. And I knew it was just a matter of time until someone went out there and had a really good crack at it. There's so many factors involved in ultra running. You've got weather, you've got prep and taper and, you know, we've all got lives that can get in the way. And, you know, sometimes family takes precedence and sometimes work takes precedence. So there's a lot of factors that are external to the running. So it's, yeah, it, it's not a linear thing. It's not a two-dimensional thing. It's, and I, the GNW for me, particularly the GNW 250 and the FKT, that was a tradition of the FKT. That was part of running the FKT as a previous FKT holder comes out with you. Um, so, yeah, I like to think that there's a nobility to ultra running. There's, there's something you know, that is, that is deeper than, than just times. And, you know, coach Martin talks about being 80% hippie, 10% scientist and 10% mongrel. I think we could all be, you know, we could all do with being a little bit more hippie, you know, moving towards that hippie end. I would say there's a lot of mongrel in me. And, and the best antidote to that is to go out and see people just knock it out of the park. I, I would say, in a, in a selfish way, I benefited from that because I got to see, like, I love crewing for people. I love pacing people. I love, you know, seeing someone absolutely knock it out of the park and, and, and perform at their best. It's the same as going to Cirque du Soleil, you know, seeing those people up on the stage balancing bowls in their head in a unicycle. I've got no idea how to do that, but wow, that's freaking awesome. The mastery of that. Um, it's always great to see someone with absolute mastery of what they do. Um, we all benefit from that. We all we all get something from that. Extraordinary here, your mindset, Joe. When was there a time where this changed for you? Like where you realized was there a breakthrough race or was there a breakthrough in your mindset where you stopped focusing on results, you stopped focusing on times and paces and everything, and you started to embrace this form of love and the connection to the race and the, and the tradition and the serving others and and mm. the nobility. Was there a defining moment somewhere in there that things changed for you? Oh, you make it sound very grand, but I, I don't know. I think um, I, I love it. I genuinely, you know, there's no fake in it. I love it. I love coaching runners. I love running, you know, and I love it more than everyone I know. So, you know, I, I love it for 24 hours. And, you know, my first GNW 250 was 69 hours and 28 minutes. You know, I can tell you exactly how much I love it. You know, Brisbane to Sydney was, as you said, 11 days and seven hours plus change. You know, I really genuinely love it. And, um, you know, that can get me in trouble sometimes because there's other parts of my life that need energy and attention and, and focus. And, 
you know, I have to ration it out and I have to, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm a daddy and I'm a, I'm a, you know, a coach and a colleague. And um, so, yeah, I think, was there a moment it changed? Was there a bullet from the gun? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, one thing did come to mind um, when, when you first sort of mentioned this question, which was during the, during the Brisbane to Sydney, um, I was running um, one morning and it was about five or 6 a.m., um, and I was trying to get some K's in before breakfast and, you know, trying to sort of do 30 K's before breakfast and sort of 50 K's before midday. That was kind of my strategy. And I was running along the hard shoulder. Um, and the sun was just coming up over my left shoulder. And, you know, there was a sudden break in the noise of the traffic, which was quite rare out there on the road between Brisbane and Sydney. There was lots of trucks and lots of cars sort of skimming my right shoulder. We all had UV jackets on to make sure we were safe, but there's, you know, a lot of cars. And um, so it's really quiet and I could just kind of hear the hypnotic and rhythmic sound of my feet. And, you know, my breathing was keeping the beat and it was that beautiful kind of lovely place you get into when you're running where everything's just perfect. I didn't have any sounds happening around me. I didn't have my AirPods in and there was no bird song or cars or planes. And it was just, absolute quiet it was quite almost eerie and um felt very organic and i looked over my shoulder at the sun and i could see this field and there was a kestrel hovering above a field and it was obviously looking for a rodent that it was tracking below but it wasn't moving an inch it was just absolutely still and it seemed like the whole world froze on pause for a good 30 seconds and I could feel the sun on my shoulders and everything seemed incredibly peaceful. And I felt absolutely euphoric. And I just remember thinking I could live in this moment for the rest of my life. It was absolute bliss. Uh, and the cars returned and my mind started to calculate the distance I needed to get to the next checkpoint. And um, it was very brief, but it's very, very special. And I, you know, I had to run for 11 days and seven hours and change to get that 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, and then of course you fight for the next year or two to get back to that place. But um, running to me is, is so much more than the stuff that can be measured on Strava. You know, there's a lot of stuff that can't be measured. You've got your heart rate, you've got your elevation, you've got your pace and, you know, covered distance and how many runs you've done that week. And we're all living in that kind of science scientist headspace and, you know, counting, 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 counting. And it's just, that's not what running's about. It's not about that for me. Running is, is about going to la la land just for a little while. Just, just, you know, it's that feeling of the first schooner when you go in the pub or that, you know, not the first cigarette, but the second cigarette. Second cigarette is amazing. First cigarette is horrible. And um, maybe I'm just recreating the same buzz I used to have when I was working in bars and smoking 30 cigarettes a day. It's the same absolute peace and, and, and bliss that, that I felt um, when, you, when you get that high, when you get that hit. Um, and I just keep going back and and... You know, I wish people would understand that the key to, in my opinion, anyway, the key to long, you know, 
long distance running and, and a long life as a runner is not focusing on the the minutia, not focusing on the, the the small things that really don't matter. Your heart rates doesn't matter. Your, the distance you run doesn't matter. Like, did you enjoy it? Did you get a kick out of it? Did you did you get a little gift from the running gods? You can't quite explain. Um, and that's the special stuff. Coach Martin has a word for it. He says that the closer you get to describing it, the further away you become. So. If, if you can't describe it, then you're getting closer to the truth. Wow. So he calls it the isness. It's the isness. You know, the closer you get to the true nature of reality, then the, the harder it gets to put into words. And to bring that down into a, like an actionable step for people who are listening, Joe, is it about yeah. catching more moments like that on your daily run and or in your life or in your racing because what you've described then is, is such a beautiful state uh, of being and you describe it the hippie which which coach, your coach martin fryer absolutely um has you know dominated and, and, and invented himself but but what you're what you're saying is that kestrel on the field and and those moments are where the gold is it is to help people understand how to get that, is it about shifting your awareness to that, I dare say, the present moment or something? You've got better words for it, that isness, and bringing more of those into our life? Uh, you know, there's a few things going on. Like the, the big one, Rob, is just my girls. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to obviously create a life for them and maybe a blueprint, maybe like a you know, this, this is how to live thing, um, you know, and I'm discovering that for myself and, and sort of mapping that out as I go and, you know, learning from, from coach Martin and coach Claudine. And so, yeah, I mean, my girls are a massive motivation for me. I want them to be proud of me. I want them to see me succeed. And, you know, I, I love the little letters that I get home from daycare and from school about I'm proud of my daddy because, he runs and he wins the races, and, and you know, which is, you know, it's, it's all ego. But at the same time, I, I want them to be proud of me. I want them to see daddy succeeding uh, because I'm, I'm hoping that helps them raise the bar and, and lift their game and, and, you know, try and, you know, master whatever field they go into. At the moment, Nia wants to be a hairdresser, which I think is wonderful because she's going to connect with people and, you know, you, you can't um, make robots cut hair. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, and I, I just think, you know, as long as they do something they're proud of and they master it, I'll, I'll be really happy with that. But I hope they see me doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I for me, the drinking and the smoking and the going out was an attempt to be happy. And it was an, attempt, an honest attempt because... That was what my eyes and ears were flooded with through media and TV and radio. Um, you know, every song was talking about cigarettes and alcohol and going out and partying. And that's what we're bombarded with. And what I found was that stuff didn't work, you know, and, and I, I, me, me, you know, you know, this, this, all the superficial things just make you freaking miserable, really miserable and really you know, unfriendly and unapproachable and unconnected and lonely. So 
yeah, I think um, what I'm doing is 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 trying to honor my coach, my coaches, to to create a blueprint for my athletes and for my kids. And it's it's deep. It's deep, and it's it's a long game. It's a long, long game. I, I want to master what I'm doing. Like, and I, I see. You know, Coach Martin is has got a few years on me. I won't say how many because I might upset him, but um, he's got a few years, and and I see my career path mapped out as you know. I I I want to I want to you know coach Australian athletes one day. You know, I, I want to do that. I want to, you know, I've got some really high level athletes I'm coaching now, but I want to, you know, pay it forward the same way that Martin has. This is a big driver for you, Joey. And, and I've seen the, the two things I want to flag most there are that long game. You've spoken to me about consistency in training being one of the most important aspects. And there's no further testimony to that than your growth through ultra running from those early days, as we spoke about 12 years ago, running the Great North 100 miler, even the early Coaster Cozy days. And, and your unbelievable increase in times like like coming from 30 hours at great north walk to taking off seven hours off the same race and winning it and mm. and nine sorry almost 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 nine hours when you came second in a fast time behind brendan davies um wow. uh, arguably one of well definitely one of australia's best ever um mm. in 2017 well, i want to take so that that's what i want to put my finger on is that consistency and you always speak about the long game but this getting outside of self is a deeper aspect of you. And in 2016, the Brisbane to Sydney run that we've talked about a couple of times, can you take us mm. through that? You, you dedicated it to um, raising awareness, awareness around men's mental health. You ran mm. the freaking thing without saying a word. I know that you yeah. had a system that you told me about with, with your crew of, of how, what they needed to give you and everything. Take me through mm. why you did that, what it meant to you, and how you drew on that aspect of doing it for somebody else apart from, as you said before, the I, the me, the little me. Yeah, look, I think um, I've always tried to find a charity when I'm doing stuff that's that's really big um, because it's, it's a way to empower myself and to, you know, to get myself out in those days when I don't want to train. And, um, and to make sure I complete it, it's almost like race insurance, you know, in the Ironman, if you want to complete the Ironman, you put an extra two grand in the bike, you know, you just you get better wheels, you get zip, zip wheels or SRAMs or whatever, uh, or you borrow your mate's bike that's three grand more expensive to make sure you finish that flipping Ironman. And I think that's how I've, I've viewed the charity is, if I give this significant meaning, if I tie myself to a charity that wants me to succeed, then I've got this whole army behind me that's that's pushing me along. Anyway, the charity I chose was a good friend's charity in Brisbane, Lee Crockford, who's an absolute legend. I've known Lee for many years and he has a charity called um, Get Silent, Get Heard, um, which was, you know, raising the awareness for the number of men that, um, commit suicide each week it's 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 a grim topic but it's also part of the problem is that we don't talk about this stuff um so 
uh, often men will suffer in silence. And the problem with men and suicide is they're more successful at committing suicide than women. Uh, we, we have an ability that is probably um, unfortunate that w- we succeed when we when we go through this. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was doing something that was bigger than me. It was hugely significant, um, you know, because I think Brisbane to Sydney um, is a huge race and it's, you know, it's something I've, I've dreamt about for many years. Um, I wanted to put myself in the mill, Rob. I really wanted to make myself suffer, mm. you know, and there's, um, there's actually a, a meditation practice called Vipassana, you may have heard of, which is like an 11 day silent retreat. And, you know, I knew I could run it. I was confident in my ability, but I thought being silent, well, Joe's a chatterbox. You can talk for England and talk underwater. Like that would be a great way to, to really put myself through discomfort and really prove to myself I could do something that was impossible. So, yeah, it, I wanted to earn my stripes. I wanted to um, do something good. And it felt very selfish going away for 11 days and just running and doing my favorite thing. So, yeah, there were many aspects to, to why I partnered with that charity. Um, I also feel that in running, when you, you run a marathon, you see people running for the rhinos and you see people running for, you know, kids charities and cancer charities. And, you know, so many breast cancer charities out there raising money for cancer. And that's wonderful. And, that, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all but you don't see I'm running for men. <laughs> like I'm running for guys. So there was a sense of like, you know, um, this is a charity that isn't getting a lot of love. And this is a way for me to acknowledge my own journey. Um, you know, life, life beats you up. Like, you know, you're rolling with the punches and my family visited recently and we established that, you know, we, I was chatting to them about, different mottos and family mottos. And that came out. I said, what's our family motto? And my mum said, shit happens. <laughs> and uh, a lot of family mottos are written in French. So we had to look up the French. So the French is Merdarive. And I said, well, is that the right motto? Mum said, well, actually, it should be shit happens from time to time. So we looked up the French for that. Le Merdarive, uh, or was it Le Merdarive de Tonton? so yeah look i think shit happens life is hard life can beat the whatever out of you and i think uh we need to talk about not just how women suffer how children suffer but it's a humanity thing you know life is challenging and some people have all the trappings of a modern life but that inner world stuff can really beat you up you know it can really put you in a place where you know, you look fine on the outside and your life looks blessed. But, you know, if your brain isn't working properly, if, if you're not, you know, if you haven't got the tools, if you haven't got the skills, if you haven't got the ability to to put yourself in a happier place, if you haven't got the people around to support that process, you know, it's very sad. The number of people we lose unnecessarily because they haven't got that support. So, yeah, it, it, it meant a lot to me. It, it, it was it was very special. I learned more about men's mental health in the process. I learned a lot about my own mental health. It really empowered me. 
you know it feels so selfish doesn't it like I did something I love and it empowered me but um yeah I had a good look at myself I had a real good look at myself and I think that was healthy I think that was a good thing when you say you had a good look at yourself because this is this is I'm imagining you going through the hurt locker on that 11 days like like there's a hurt locker in a hundred miles there's a hurt locker in a 5k if you're having a good crack (laughs) yeah you know in 11 days you would have gone through pain and suffering and can you take us to a point where you were in the depths and maybe you were thinking about chucking it in and, and how you kind of got, and maybe if it wasn't at Brisbane, the city, maybe it was in a coast of Cozzy or a track race or somewhere else where you've been in that place of that hurt locker and you've dealt with it and then got out of it. Yeah. Look, I, for me, I've been to the hurt locker a number of times. I've been to that pain cave as Courtney DeWalter calls it. And, you know, Courtney DeWalter talks about how she wants to get there sooner. She wants to get to the pain cave as soon as she can. And I find that really confusing. I don't want to get to the pain cave as soon as I can. And I want to avoid it for as long as possible. So a lot of my endurance has become trying not to endure, if that makes sense. So I, I want to endure as little as possible during that endurance event. So a lot of it comes down to being prepared. Like I'm carved up, I've had loads of sleep and you know, I've, I've, I'm super hydrated. I've been meditating every day. I'm looking in the mirror and saying affirmations and you know, I'm speaking to my coaches and I'm you know, creating information packs. So I'm very clear on why I'm doing it and what's going on. You know, I've got that clarity going into the race. You know, the other thing that I do that really helps me before a race is um, I actually celebrate my win the day before I I go out and do the race. Um, And this is something that Claudine has helped me with. Um, So, yeah, I think um, before the Coast of Kosciuszko on the Thursday, um, I had an audio recording from Claudine and she basically said, right, I went to close your eyes and visualize yourself at Charlotte's Pass winning the Coast of Kosciuszko, right, now open your eyes. I want you to hug each other now, high five each other. You've just won the Coast of Kosciuszko. Yes, you've just won. Congratulations. Can you feel it? Can you feel that emotion? Oh, what a relief. The relief and the the euphoria. Can you feel those emotions? Well done. You just won it. It's done. It's done. You've won it. And that was a Thursday afternoon. And we didn't start the race until Friday morning at, you know, uh, 5.30 or 6 a.m., as you know, at Boydtown Beach in Eden. So on that start line, I knew I was going to win. I'd won it yesterday. I won it the day before. So, yeah, there are times when I have to innovate in the moment during the run, but I do so many things, Rob, before I even get there so that it is it, it is done before I start. It's done. And I don't have to endure I don't have to suffer. I don't have to work hard. You know, I will get in the pain cave. I will find myself in that place. And one of the things I've done is I've I've made a home there. So I can describe it because I go there a lot. Like I've, there's a, a room. I go down these steps and I open this big metal door and I go into the pain cave. And one wall on the right-hand side is purple. And this wall over here is blue. And I've I've moved in. I've put cushions in there there's like a big bean bag <laughs> like it's, it's it's ready right it's got a nice 55 inch tv and I, I make myself at home so it's um i've i've tried to make it more of a 
you know, a, a, a comfortable place than a pain cave um, because I'm going to be there a while and, and, you know, and that's okay. Um, I don't struggle with it. There's no resistance. I'm not trying to escape it. But that said, I'm not trying to get there as soon as I can, you know. Um, I, I'm quite happy that the pain cave is at, you know, 160 Ks rather than, you know, 55 Ks, 60 Ks into a race. I see a lot of people entering the pain cave at 98, you know, 80, 90, 100 Ks in the race. And I'm like, oh, mate, you know, I'm not going to be there for another, you know, six hours. So, you know, I'm grateful that my pain cave is, is you know, right, right back towards the end of the race. But um, for most of the race, genuinely, I am loving it. I am having a great time. I'm flying. I'm a bird. And I'm, you know, in those visualizations. And, you know, when it does get painful, it's a very, very familiar feeling to me. Um, in terms of the get out of jail free cards, though, that, that, that maybe would be helpful to people listening, you know, the, the get out of jail free cards for me are a message from my kids, you know, a message from my partner, from my girlfriend, you know, uh, a message from my mom, a message from my dad. If you get them to write a few little notes on a piece of card before you start your race, give that to your crew and say, right, I can't open that until I get to 100Ks. Then when you get to 100Ks, you've got this nitrous oxide ready to push you on, you know. But, yeah, a, a hug from someone you love gives you 10Ks. You know, a note from your mom gives you 20Ks. You know, a kiss on the lips will give you a good 30 or 40Ks, right? You run a marathon after that. So, and that can be male or female, right? It's just a kiss on the lips. But, uh, you know, I try to, to sort of ration out that good stuff for when I need it. And then... You know, I do have things in my Batman belt that are like in, in emergency press here. You know, caffeine is one of them. Revy strips are great. You know, when I've used up all of my Panadol Extra, which is like Panadol with caffeine, I'll, I'll move to Revy strips. The Revy strips are like chewing gum with five espresso coffees in them. And I don't care who you are. You have one of those and you're happy again. You're fine. You're good to go. <laughs> That's 20 Ks right there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good to have those little tricks but it's good to save them for, for later in the race. You don't want to be using your caffeine at five hours in. You, you want to wait until, you know, 10, 11, 12, whatever, 15, 16 hours in if you can. Great summary. And what I hear is in that pain cave, there's an acceptance. You're not fearful of it. Like you've built it and you know you're going to go there. You're going to put it off as long as you can. But there's no, oh, no, I'm going to, oh, this is going to hurt. You're like, yep, I know I'm going there. It's purple and blue. There's some cushions and a big glass TV. And I'm going to enjoy it. So, so in that I hear there's an acceptance and there's no resistance there. Similarly to your visualization about winning Costa Kazi the day before, um, it's like you've taken away that pressure by going there and experiencing it. So it's no longer a tension. That's the way as in a tension between where, where you are and where you could be. It's mm. really absolutely fascinating to me from that perspective as someone who who battles pre-race anxiety and doesn't sleep very well before the race and, mm. and is looking for those kind of tools of how to to do it um to hear you taking the emotion out through actually going there and experiencing the emotion prior to yeah yeah i think with the pre-race anxiety don't get me wrong i still have pre-race anxiety i still have all those same emotions the thing that gets us, though, is the resistance to the emotions. 
so exactly as you said like you know it's uh it's the the, the um elsa from frozen wisdom of let it go let it go right you know you only you only have to carry during that race what you take with you right which is that's isn't that a star wars quote isn't that master yoda before luke goes into the cave to meet darth vader's what he's i think luke says what's in there and yoda says only what you take with you right and and i, I think that's that's the thing i that maybe that's the innovation that i've made is you know you're going to carry some stuff of course you are you're going to carry some stuff you know we've all got baggage we're all human we're all complex we've all got years years of emotions and experiences and trauma right we've all got that we've all got that for sure that's the nature of being alive and being a human being um it's the nature of being a runner but can you just let it go let it go let it go be light be light of foot and light of spirit and you know gratitude is a great tool gratitude is my shield for a lot of this stuff you know there's a technique i use where i say thank you a hundred times out loud right and i think of all the things i'm grateful for and you know you don't have to name them you just say thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you You say that a hundred times you try and feel bad after saying thank you a hundred times it's impossible Gratitude is a shield. It's a perfect antidote to whatever negative mindset is, is creeping in. Um, but um, yeah, like genuine gratitude. I, I'm genuinely grateful and I haven't got any resistance. Like I'm there to feel a bit shit. I'm, I'm there for the pain cave. I'm there to see, you know, what's Joe going to do when that happens? You know, I'm interested. I'm curious. Um, and if you train hard enough and you prepare hard enough and you know, you embrace the suckage of those kind of experiences, then um, it's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's all right, you know? It's really cool, Joe. Going back to that, just, just on a touch on that pre-rest anxiety, I know that some of my listeners who do suffer a lot from it. And when, when you say you're still experiencing it, are you using those tools like the let it go, let it go? Are you imagining yourself carrying all this stuff and, and letting it go? Are you using the... Thank you a hundred times. Is there anything else you can point us to that you do that, that can reduce that anxiety? Yeah, so Sri Chimoy is my hero and I've quoted him already, but um, one of the things he advocates is meditating before you race. You know, so I'll, I'll sit in the middle of the track, legs crossed, you know, hands together. There's a photo of me doing this at Costa Kosciuszko as well, sat at Boytown Beach, meditating in the rain, Rob. And uh, it's magic. You know, it was raining which is just like a blessing from the running gods for me. It's like, hey, I'm going to win. <laughs> um, but I, I sat and I meditated and it was just five minutes, just five minutes. But then, you know, that builds the gratitude, that builds the clarity, that puts you in a place where you remember we're the 1%, the 1%. You know, we're, we're very, very, very lucky. Um, so easy to forget that. So easy to forget, you know, because the, oh, I'm here and this is going to be hard and, you know, I'm going to have to push during this race and oh, I'm going to be in pain, you know. Yeah. And you've, you've chosen to be here and you're hanging out with all your mates and you've got people that love you, that want to support you. And at some point, someone's going to hand you a T-shirt or a hoodie or a medal. You know, it's, it, we're very, very lucky. We've got enough food. We've got houses. We've got cars. And uh, and we do this crazy stuff for fun. And if you're lucky, you, you get to go to Costa Kosciuszko with the best runners in Australia. You know, it's what's not to love 
So a little meditation before the race, just sit and, and yeah, and do nothing, you know. Um, so Sri Chinmoy also talks about being a vehicle for the running, you know, change yourself into a vehicle for the running, let the running work through you. And um, what's really been one of the biggest rewards for me is, you know, seeing the people around me take up running or, or you know, even just going for a walk, you know, or getting out and doing something outside their comfort zone as a result of me going for a run. So, and then the great thing is, you know, that's like a positive virus, if you like, because you inspire one person to run and they inspire someone else. And, you know, I think um, running is the perfect antidepressant. It's the perfect kind of uh, prescription for a lot of a lot of us. And I think we were born to move. You know, the magic is in the movement. And um, you've heard me say this on the, the bodyweight workouts. It's, you know, if you're moving, you're winning. You know, these are all principles that I, I shout it out. And I, 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 you know, I vocalize this stuff a lot. And I probably talk too much on those workouts. But it's important to me. It. It, I love uh, it when you share this on those workouts. I love it. Really it, it there's, a, there's a bell of truth, I think, that goes off when we hear some of this stuff, you know. Born to move. And if you're moving, you're winning. Doesn't matter how fast doesn't matter how far, like I truly believe that. When I first started running, it was a 1K run to a tree at the end of my road. And I'd kick the tree because I hated running. And then I'd walk back and I'd smoke a cigarette. And I'd have my legs up on the bed doing sit-ups with a cigarette in my mouth. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy how those 500 meter and 1K runs grow into you know, whatever you, however far you want it to go. So many questions I have for you, Joe. Quickly, can you answer that? What got you from those cigarettes back in half a day from going out, drinking, partying, to running to that tree, kicking it and coming back? What was the impetus for the change? Oh, I wanted revenge on my ex-girlfriend, Rob. I wanted to show her that I could get fit, get a six pack and a new hot girlfriend, right? That, that's what it was all about purely superficial and uh yeah i wanted to show my ex when i was 20 what was i 23 24 that i i could get out there and yeah get a six pack and a new hot girlfriend um so yeah and then i sort of got into it you, 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 it's addictive right so if you've got an addictive personality you're addicted to cigarettes you can change that addiction you can move it from something unhealthy to something healthy and I really believe in life, you, you have to be very careful what addictions you choose because you either spiral up or you spiral down. There's no maintaining treading water. There's no kind of just, oh, just kind of stay in the middle. I think you, you either move forward or you, or you unfortunately move in the opposite direction. But um, that's the nature of running is it you're moving forward. You're moving forward. That's why it's so good for our brains is that relentless forward progress, moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And there's that rhythmic nature of your feet. Um, so I got addicted to running and, and that's really what got me out of smoking cigarettes. Cigarettes are meant to be the hardest thing to quit. And the innovation for me was two things, swapping one addiction for another, because I am obsessed with running. It's an obsession. It's, it's a big part of my daily life and a big part of my world. And it's, I see the whole world through a running lens. You know, everything is a running analogy and, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and then the other thing was 
apart from it being an addiction, sort of replacing one addiction with another, um, I stopped buying cigarettes. I never, I've, I still haven't quit smoking. I didn't quit. I just stopped buying them. And then the best thing to do to stop a habit is to, is to stop buying whatever you're, you're getting. Like the, the sort of front line to the war is in the supermarket, right? That's the, that's where the battle's fought. Whatever you put in your fridge, you're going to eat. Whatever you put in your house, you're going to use. So, yeah, the, the, it's easier to stop buying cigarettes than to stop smoking them. And then what happens is your friends get fed up giving you cigarettes because they're like, you never buy a packet. So it works out pretty well. Eventually, they just cut you off. With that, Joe, with, with the obsession, like you said, you've got an addictive personality, you're obsessed with running. How, what mm. happens? Have you, have you had an injury setback or a time when you couldn't run? What happens to your state or your identity or something in those times when, when, you, when you're sidelined? Oh, it's a serious addiction, Rob. So I, I find ways around it. So if I get injured, then I become a swimmer. If I can't swim, then I become a cyclist. If I can't cycle, then I'll go and hit a boxing bag. But um, for me, I, I love routine. And, and it's the routine that keeps me happy. So, you know, half of it is about getting up and doing a 5.30 run. But there's another proponent, which is I'm getting up, making my bed, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm using my mouthwash, I'm brushing my teeth in a squat position to open my hips up because I've learned that from my yoga coach. And, you know, I've ha I had a quick shower, a quick wash, I'm doing my face routine, I'm out the door. It's that routine, it's, it's that, you know, getting up and doing things that are good for me each day. Uh, and running gives me that, you know, you can't go to bed late if you've got to do a 30K run the next day or, or even a five, six, seven K run. You have to turn the Netflix off and go to bed and you can't go out drinking the night before a Saturday run. You can't, you know, it, it, it removes the uh, the option to, to, you know, have a late night and stay up all night. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely an early morning person. And I think routine is is my place of of clarity and my place of comfort you know it's it's just like that that pain cave it's like okay you know this feels uncomfortable and it's almost like a confirmation that i'm going in the right direction you know when you're carrying shopping up a hill you've got two bags of shopping you're going up the hill and maybe it's raining as well like there's a bit of me that goes oh it's raining and i'm carrying shopping but then there's another part of my brain that goes look at you you've got shopping in your hands and you're going up a hill Right, you're able to carry it up the hill, which is a win, and you must have some money because you got shop. You've got all your shopping, you know. So there's this massive kind of um, affirmation, uh, confirmation that you know, if you're uncomfortable, hey, that's the right direction. Well done. That's that's the right, you know, that's that you're you're heading in a direction that's positive for the long term. When you articulate those two voices, like the first one was, oh, it's raining and blah, blah. And the second one was like, hang on, look at this. How good is this? Do you have that kind of inner critic and then a way to combat inside your mind? Is it conscious or do you, is it something that you, it's a habit for you now? But it's interesting to hear how you just articulated that in that shopping analogy. Yeah, look, I think we all have the inner critic, especially as high performers and runners. That's part of who we are. I think that's part of the reason that we've started running is because we, we want to improve, right? And we want to be leaner and meaner and stronger and happier. Um, I think I've made friends with 
my internal voices over the years. Um, you know, I think um, as a high performer, yeah, everyone's had to sort of learn to tune in and out of that that voice. Like it can be useful. It's good to have that voice that that tells you you can do more and and you're not enough. So my mindset coach has this great mantra, which is, I am enough, but I'm not done yet. Wow. And and that's super empowering for me. And I come back to that over and over again. Um, I, I guess I've learned to turn the volume down. Um, she's also taught me, Claudine is amazing. I can't recommend her enough. She's phenomenal. She's also taught me that we choose our mindset. Mindset is a choice. We're not a slave to our brain. You can choose what mindset you go into something with. And, um, you know, finding that awareness and finding finding that inner calm and, and through meditation and through just breathing exercises and self-love, you can get to a place where you've got a, not full control because, you know, that only, only nutcases have absolute confidence. Um, but you can get to that place where you're just turning the volume down and, and you're turning the volume up on the good stuff. Um, and I guess it's a necessity, you know, if you want to be a high performer, you're on this path, right? You're on this path of baby steps, improving over a long period of time, um, trying to get to a place where you never quite reach it, but you're just slightly better than you were a month ago or a year ago, you know, and it doesn't have to be a, a big jackpot win for me. It's not about winning the lottery. It is really about just, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm slightly better than, than I was a year ago. You know, I'm slightly better. You know, I'm I'm 0.01% better. And and 0.01% is freaking awesome. You know, it's freaking awesome. Like the progress, not perfection mantra um, uh, is a powerful one for me. And that's actually from Keith Hong, who's uh, who's a fantastic athlete and a, a sub three hour marathon runner. And, and that's the thing is progress, right? Not... 100% progress, not 10% progress, 0.01% progress. Go you, right? Go you. You had 30 cigarettes yesterday and 29 today. Fuck, that's awesome, you know? And and that's what I'm looking for is, you know, run 125Ks in 2021 and do 126 over 12 hours. And, and, and that's a positive direction. You know, that that's great. Um. Building on that, Joe, you mentioned self-belief quite a few times, which is an extension of what you just said. So when you said you, when the Brisbane to Sydney race, you said, I knew I could do it. You, mm. when, when you said about winning Costa Cozzi the night before, and you, uh, night before the race, you were doing the visualization. You said, I know I can win it. Has that self-belief come as a product of this, of this progress, not perfection, of this constant improvement or... I'm assuming there's a time where you didn't have that kind of self-belief. Can I finish this race? Can I do it? And is there a recipe that you mix up that self-belief with to be able to say things like, I can run from Brisbane to Sydney? Look, having the right people around you is a massive thing, you know, and from my days of smoking and drinking, I had the wrong people around me and that had negative consequences and put me in a place that wasn't necessarily my best self. But I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, I'm st I, I've got the best running coach in Australia. 
So have you, right? Agreed. Absolutely agree. <laughs> agree. No uh, and and <laughs> I look at look at the people I spend time with. I spend time with you. I spend time with you know uh, a number of different runners. My my friend Chris Jackson is a fantastic guy. He's a man of honor and integrity. And um, I'm lucky that my family is is amazingly supportive. Like I'm very very lucky. I've got good people around me. And my suggestion would be. You know, the best you is when you're surrounded by your tribe, you know, your, your real tribe, not the tribe that, you know, you, you might think you deserve or the tribe that you uh, have been told that you, is your tribe, not, not a football team and, you know, not a group of people in the pub. But there's, there's people out there that will lift you up and hold you accountable and tell you when you're being a bit of a dick and, and, and get the best game out of you. And they'll be brutally honest with you. And, and that's what you need. You know, I think, unfortunately, we all, we all perform better when we're under a bit of adversity, you know, our ancestors, like we are the ancestors of the best survivors of the best survivors of the best survivors, generation after generation, you know, we are the, the warriors of the warriors of the warriors, right? We're the, the winners of the winners of the winners of the winners of the like hundreds of times over. And we need to we need to acknowledge that, that the best comes out of us through adversity and through goals and targets and, you know, doing stuff that's, you know, Claudine would say, have unrealistic goals. Don't have realistic goals. Your goals should be unrealistic. Your goals should be, you should tell people your goals and they go, and I've had this happen to me several times where I say, yeah, I'm going to win the Costa Kosciuszko and people go, okay. (laughs) And laugh at me and go, pa. And I've learned not to talk about it anymore because it's, uh, why talk about it? You're losing some power to, with your own goals. You're giving away some energy. You're giving away some power. And it's unnecessary. I don't need to share my goals, but your goals should be unrealistic, right? You're stronger than you think. You're more capable than you think. You're probably more loved than you realize. And we've all got to raise our game. Um, And maybe this is a blueprint I'm creating for for, for my kids, you know, personally, is I I want them to know, you know, when you think you're done, you know, you're you're not even 40% done. What's that? David Goggins, when you think you're done, you're only 40% done. Joey, as a man who, myself, who struggles to ask for help and is a bit of a lone wolf, to hear you talk about tribe that you've created, the mentors that you um, have in your life it, it is quite revelationary to, for me. Um, and I, I have to say on behalf of the listeners, it must be, I, I hesitate to say it only because it's such a practical and it feels like a low level question, but it must create a lot of expense to have running coaches and business coaches and and nutrition coaches and yoga coaches. Can you tell me about the kind of the return on the investment that you get out of having that kind of mentorship and coaching and, and creating the right people around you? If you've got the right coach, and I can put this in quite a succinct nutshell, then whatever you give them, they give you four times back. Is that four X U principle? So my business, my business coach. I give her a big, she's expensive. Yeah, sure. Costs a lot of money. Hmm. I hand over three grand. I get back six. But it's no brainer. She's fantastic. 
And it's the same with Martin. Martin, here you go. Look, tell me what to do. Oh, I've, you know, it, it's been an accelerated curve since I've, I've met Martin. Like, he gives me these little nuggets of wisdom and it, it's been refined for the last 10 or 15 years. He, he's worked this stuff out. Um, you know, a, a real expert master will, will, will save you that time. You know, and it's, it's that conversation of, I'll save you four years now. What's four years worth? You know, I think coaches are undervalued, if anything. Yeah. I think, you know, I think um, many of the coaches I've worked with, and I've worked with boxing coaches and kickboxing coaches and rugby coaches and yoga coaches, and I've had lots of people that have influenced my life. Like, they can give you a nugget. Like, I quote these coaches 20 years on. 30 years on, I, I, I quote coaches from when I was playing rugby and I was 12 years old. There's still nuggets of wisdom that I'm still using today. Like, what's that worth? Like, put a dollar sign on that. It's almost impossible to put a dollar sign on that. You know, when someone raises your game, um, it, it's, it's a massive change to your life. You know, it's a massive influence. So for me, yeah, it's expensive, but what are you going to do? You're going to live a life that is less than your potential. I think that's what makes people miserable is when they see what they could have been, when they see what they could achieve and uh, they don't quite, you know, fulfill their full potential. I, 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 my name's Joe and, you know, having the name Joe is a, is a bit of a, it's a if you speak to anyone called Joe um, or Joey, but, mo but mostly Joe in recent years, you'll, you'll hear that there's like a burden with the name Joe that you know, you're an average Joe, you're a Joe blow, you're a Joe blogs, right? I'm terrified of being average Joe. I'm terrified of not fulfilling my potential of being, yeah, Joe was all right. Yeah, he did pretty good. You know, I, I want to fulfill my potential and, and there's more there. I haven't hit my peak yet. I, I really believe I haven't hit my, at 42 years old. I haven't hit my peak and it's very satisfying to be able to say that. It Again, thank you for your vulnerability. You absolutely hammered me in the heart by what you just said. But, and that fear of not reaching your potential, I share that, mate. But it, it, it's, it's, um, it's why I'm so curious about it. Like, when I look at you, you embody someone who's, who's just exponentially growth. Your, your exponential growth in your life since I've known you has been off the charts. I'm not just talking about your running results. I mean, in the conversation, in your life view, in your philosophy, in your wisdom, in what you're creating. So to, to get inside that and understand what you've done is really helping me to see where the gaps are in my life because I can really, really, I really got a lot out of that. So thanks, mate. And to build on that, you've, you have tapped into where you want to go in the future with coaching Australian reps. Tell me about the future for Joe Ward. Where is it for me? Uh, look, you know, I love adventure and I love seeing other people enjoy adventures. Like that's, that's just the best. Um, I'm not about having a safe and comfortable life. I like that's not for me. Um, and I think I heard a quote by Jeff Bezos this morning talking about that. You know, you, you can embrace a life of, of comfort and safety, or you can embrace a life of service and adventure. And, um, yeah, it's the best feeling when you inspire other people. And, and mate, I have to say, you know, 
watching you kick ass on the coast of Kosciuszko and run sub 30 hours, you know, that when I was running 43 hours on the coast of Kosciuszko, that was my PB. You know, that was a massive inspiration to me to see two, anything, you know, two out 20 something hours for coast of Kosciuszko just looked like going into outer space, you know, and, and I saw that you worked with a mindset coach during that process. And I, I like to think that we're all doing this for each other. We're all, we're all lifting each other up, you know, and, Jane Trump has inspired me and, you know, Andrew Vyers and, you know, and of course, Martin and Mick Thwaites. And there's all these absolute champions that, that have inspired me and I'm grateful to them. And it's just this kind of Russian doll of us all inspiring each other. So, yeah, look, it's it's fun to see um, more adventure for myself and to see other people kicking ass as well. And I get a real... Um, real buzz out of seeing people just with that big smile on their face because they've just done something they thought was completely impossible I'll, I'll never tire of that I'll never that'll never grow old I can see that in you I see that in the runners in your group and the people that know you and are inspired by you you embody it to bring that down as we start to wrap up here for the listeners who are What's some advice or wisdom you can give for somebody who's trying to balance their running with their work and their family? They're struggling to fit it all in. Maybe mm. as they're aging, and not, I'm not saying getting old, but just as we all get old, the injuries become a little bit, the niggles become a little bit more, or maybe you do need some, some more, there's a surgery or something, but we're balancing all this, wanting to run, knowing we still love it, wanting to balance that, get out the door, we've got life, we've got work. What advice do you have for, for, for us mere mortals, Joe? Oh, look, I think we're all mortals and we've all got tons of responsibilities and we're all getting pulled in so many different directions. You know, I, I come back to that principle of if you're moving, you're winning. And, you know, all you've got to do is move your feet. doesn't matter how fast, doesn't matter how far. We've got so many different names for running and walking and, and bipedal movement, right? So we've got, you know, strolling and ambling and, you know, um, uh, obviously running and sprinting and, and shuffling and whatever. Like, just move, just go for a walk. You know, walking has been so powerful for me. And, and it's something I didn't really understand, you know, 12 um 15 years ago but i used to see a lot of bodybuilders on a treadmill in the gym walking for two or three hours and then you discover that they're walking for weight loss and walking is one of the best things for weight loss it's a great way to prevent injury it's a great way to elevate your mood and get some fresh air and you know have a catch up with a friend so yeah do some walking like add some walking to your your daily practice and get out and do some walking to complement your running it will make your running much easier you know, my best cross training for running is going for a walk. I did an hour and 15 this morning, brisk walk. And um, yeah, like a brisk walk on a flat terrain, you know, moving your arms around, looking like you're in a hurry. Or you, I think people give me funny looks sometimes when I'm doing my brisk walking because I look like I'm angry. But it just gets you out of your headspace and it puts you in a really good place. So I really recommend it. Great, great advice. Thanks, Joe. You're about to represent Australia. Tell me yeah. what that means. Uh, look, it's it's been a dream for a long time. And there's so many kind of schoolboy dreams that this kind of ties in with. And, you know, I remember 
watching Paul Gascoigne and Gary Lineker and all those guys on the TV when I was a kid and, you know, telling myself I was going to be a footballer when I grew up. I was never good enough to be a footballer. I was pretty good, but not good enough. But um, I seem to be very good at being a hamster. So I'm going to follow this hamster path, keep running in circles for as far as I can. Uh, it's such a privilege. This is the country, you know, Australia is the country that I chose. You know, I was just born into England and I love England and it's a special place to me. It's, it's where I'm from. But I chose out of all the countries on the planet. This is this is where I wanted to be. And this is the country that I felt culturally and and spiritually I aligned with and the outdoor lifestyle and the sense of adventure and, and the rugged terrain. You know, there's so many aspects of Australia that are so important to me and so special to me. So, yeah, it's uh I think it's a funny story to put an English accent in green and gold. So that's that's all that's a good kind of contrast. But um, yeah, it's very, very important to me. And, you know, I want to go there and, and perform out of my skin. And I intend to go there and, and show the world what Australia's got because we've got some great athletes. We've got some phenomenal talent. You know, we've held the 24 hour world record for a number of years. And only recently, you know, uh, Sorokin, uh, uh, the Polish guy, just took the 24-hour world record last year, I think. But before that, it was Yanis Kouros. So Australia has got a really deep history of ultra running and 24-hour racing. And, uh, yeah, I, I want the world to just see what Australia has got because we've got Matt Griggs and we've got Alicia Haran and we've got, like, Dan Simmons and, you know, Nikki Wind and Stephen Redfern and, you know... And Joe Ward. So let, let's go there and, and kick ass. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm keen to get out there. And I'm going to wear that green and gold jacket to every cafe in Manly. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> you absolutely deserve to, mate. Congratulations. Um, Joe, how do people contact you? How do they get in touch? How do they say good day? Is there anything you can share with them? Yeah, look, I, I offer online coaching and um, they can Google Manly Beach Running Club and find my details on Google. We're all over the Googles. Uh, on Instagram, it's at Ultra Joe W. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's another J Dub that's taken that title over in, in the US in Wormsley. So I'm Ultra Joe W on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy to extend an offer to your listeners, an exclusive offer of two weeks free online coaching if they're looking for some help with their race. Or even just, you know what, just fire through a question if you just want a random question. I, I, I love running questions. It's my favorite topic. So I'm happy to discuss it and happy to help out anyone in your tribe, Rob. But um, yeah, it's been a real honor today. Thank you so much for this. And thank you for sort of pulling this stuff out of me because I don't always know it's there. And um, yeah, it's, it's great to share this with you and your listeners. That's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, thanks, Joe. Is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to mention or anything else that was niggling that you wanted to, to share? Oh, what would I say? Um, if you're moving, you're winning. And yeah, get out there and keep making that relentless forward progress, guys. Jerry Ward, thank you, sir. What an amazing, amazing chat. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this special episode of the Mindset for Others podcast. I hope you got as much out of this interview with Joe Ward as I did. To contact me, simply email me athlete.mindset 
training at gmail.com. I'm always open to ideas for podcasts for the future or anything you'd like to learn, anything mindset related or psychological related for your training and becoming a better athlete and a better person. Till next time, see you then.